the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Freedom with Adam Riojas. His goal is not only to inspire you to receive everything God has for you, but to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. And now, here's your host, Adam Riojas. Welcome to today's show. We are excited that you tuned in today. Uh, Make sure you stay for the latter part of the show. But today we have an incredible man of God who has a history of just serving God, and that is Pastor Sean Mitchell. Pastor Sean Mitchell, thank you so much for being here today. If you could give us a little background about you know, what you've done and where God has you now, and then we can go into a Q&A. Oh, thank you so much, Adam. It is a delight, and it's an honor to be with you. And everyone listening in right now, bless the Lord. This is the day he's made, and it's just really great to be with you. And you know what? I've been part of this community my entire life. I'm a San Diego native, uh, was raised up in East County of San Diego, and then probably about 36 years ago, my wife and I, we moved up to North County and moved into Oceanside. And uh, I've been here, my, just thoroughly enjoyed it. Came to Christ way back in 1971 and uh, um, went back to high school and started working with Youth for Christ. And I just wanted to be all that God would have allowed me to be, so I got an education. Um, uh, went to Point Loma Nazarene, studied at Bethel Seminary, went over to Israel and, and studied at the Church of the Holy Land and uh, then did uh, additional studies in Germany. And so I just, you know, the Lord says, love them with, a, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So I wanted to be able to do that. And uh, I'll tell you, the single best decision I've ever made was when I said, I do to Jesus, April 17, 1971. And I remember thinking to myself, well, if I ever could have the privilege of serving him, that would, that would be the greatest thing that I could imagine. And so I'm so grateful for the life he's allowed, knowing him at 17, went to college at 26, began working full-time in ministry immediately after that. And it's been decades of service, working with our our San Diego Padres, who are doing pretty good. I was their co-chaplain for two years, and then ended up working as the chaplain for the San Diego Chargers Chargers for an uh, uh, NFL record, actually, 29 years as their chaplain wow. and speaking to teams in the NFL. So it's just been a lot. God be the glory. No man can touch what he's done. Amen. That is so powerful. You have an amazing uh, resume background. Wow. Praise the Lord. Pastor Sean, so I, I know you've had a, a very, very large church, but I, I want to precede that. When you first came to Oceanside, how did you get started? I know, I mean, I've heard a lot of stories of how God worked in you, and one of them was that you were at uh, Lincoln Junior High for a little bit, uh, but how did you actually get started in Oceanside? 
Oh, that is a great question, especially after growing up in East County. Went to Grossmont High School and did ministry working with Youth for Christ at Morris High School and Hoover High School. Never thought I would move to Orange County. Had recently gotten married. My wife came home one day and she said, Sean, I think I found a house for us. Uh, and and uh, I said, well, Lori, really, where? Where? And she says, Oceanside. <laughs> and I stopped and I said, where? And she said, Oceanside. I said, oh, Oceanside, I don't think I'm going there. And I didn't know anything about it. And uh, she said, oh, no, I think you're really going to like this place. You need to come see it. And when I went, I was, I, it, was, it, was, it just felt like it was the Lord. It was a corner house. And uh, we moved up into that community. And back in 1989, it was the eighth quickest growing um, city in the state of California. So all sorts of baby boomers were moving in, homes were being built, and I used to run, and, and when I'd run the streets, I'd see all these homes being erected, I mean hundreds of them, and I would begin to pray for who would end up living in those homes, that one day they could be introduced to our Lord and experience Him. And at this time, I was working with one of San Diego's great pastors, and I'm sure you know him, Adam, Mike McIntosh. Yes, um, I do. Tremendous guy and uh, an incredible mentor. And he had a very large church, Horizon Christian Fellowship. And he asked me when, uh, year, uh, about uh, five years earlier if I would be open to joining his team as an evangelist. And he said to me, he said, oh, Sean, let's win the world. <laughs> wow. And then I tell you what, I'm winning the world, and Mike McIntosh is telling you that. Amen. I, think I, began to, I, I began to cheer, and Mike yodeled. He started yodeling you know, in Amen. the office, and he's off the wall. And you know what? It was, it was the greatest thing. I think I went to Scotland seven times, Africa, 18 different countries, sharing the love of Jesus Christ. And so that's where it started. Uh, I, I mean, a lot of full-time ministry, but when I moved up to Oceanside, God gave me what I wasn't expecting, a great heart, not because of a home. It didn't matter where you live, but it was the community. I mean, all these young people moving in. And I thought, boy, Lord, and well, Adam, I can just tell you, one day I went outside my house uh, to grab the morning paper and I saw down the street um, about three couples getting into a beautiful van and had behind it a speedboat painted the same color as the van. Just beautiful. Wow. And they were loading up this speedboat to look like to go out to Oceanside Harbor for a day on the water. So I saw these. Now, this is on a Sunday. Uh, um, my pastor said, uh, Sean, you're working hard. You need to take a Sunday off. And it had been a little over a year and on that Sunday, when I went out, I saw my neighbors down the street getting ready to spend the day at the beach. While I was looking at them, a VW van passed by, and there were surfboards on the back. So I see these guys getting into a speedboat. I see surfboards passing by. Then I look across my ha of the street, and there is a lady out there in, uh, in her bathing suit with a lawn chair, getting ready to get some morning sun and tan out <laughs> in the front yard. I go, oh, my gosh. Then I look across the street at, at the other corner, and there's a bunch of sod that had been laid out in the front yard of this person's new home that looked like he got them Home Depot or something. 
So within a matter of less than two minutes, I see guys getting ready to go out for a day speedboating. These other guys going surfing. This lady sunbathing. Wow. And somebody getting ready to lay sod. And I thought, <laughs> Lord, this is what my neighbors are doing on Sunday morning wow. when I'm enjoying you at church? And I thought, Lord, how can we reach them with all the options living in California? Yes. Reach them with your love. And it started as a burden, a burden for my neighbors. And then it grew into a vision. And that vision that God gave, and it came, and you know, it's interesting. It didn't come right away. Remember the old Polaroid cameras? Yes. Click it, and it'd shoot out. and take about three minutes. Yes. And then, and then the film would develop, and you see what you, what, what pick you <laughs> Yes. Well, you know, I have found God's vision works the same way. I mean, he gives you a snapshot. Wow. But you don't see it all right away. And then it begins to develop. And you go, oh, this is what you had in mind. So that snapshot was a burden for my neighbors, then a vision that what if you could create a church that didn't feel like a church? And by that I meant, you, I mean, you don't have to wear a three-piece suit or a nice-looking dress. Amen. But rather, you could come in Birkenstocks and OP shorts and board shorts. And <laughs> yes. Come the way you are. And then when you got there, what did you what did you look forward to going to church like going to the next Tom Cruise Mission Impossible movie or Spider Man and go and I, I enjoy a good movie. But how about God? Wow. What if people could come and look forward to meeting with him on Sundays? So it began as a burden, grew into a vision, and after a few more weeks at him, it became a passion. By a passion, I couldn't shake it. God was giving these ideas. I began fasting, would go running. He would speak to me. I thought, boy, wouldn't it be great to have a place like that? Wow. So people look forward to showing up like a blockbuster movie, and it ended up becoming a call on my life. And the word call, I consider a life's purpose. And God had given me a very clear call after years of ministry to, be, to, to do what I could. And I thought, well, what do you want to call this? And after praying and thinking for maybe a couple of weeks, he gave me the name New Venture. Yes. And, and, you know, in Webster's Dictionary, a venture is a risk, a challenge, and an opportunity. Wow. And anytime you look in the Word of God, anytime God called a man or woman to do great exploits for him, there was always a risk. And it was always challenging. But it was an opportunity when you gave it to God. So New Venture, Christian Fellowship, was born and... Uh, can't thank the Lord enough. Tens of thousands passed through our doors. We met, check this out, Adam, in 22 locations. Wow. We found a permanent home. I mean, we were everywhere. Red Cross buildings, high schools, junior high schools, anywhere to do ministry. And I got a phone call one day, and a person I never met said he was a real estate broker and heard about New Venture growing. And uh, I think our first year we went to 400, second year 1,000, third year 2,000. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It wasn't, it, it wasn't all the numbers. It's just that each individual is an eternal soul. Amen. I mean, that man or woman, that boy or girl is going to live forever somewhere in eternity. Amen. And, and so God, God gave us a vision. And the vision which became ours is helping people find Christ and live life to its fullest. Wow. And so we committed ourselves to that work, and God was so gracious. I think after year seven, 
we, I got a call from the Midwest, from Kansas City, I believe it was. It's a church growth institute. And somehow they'd heard about our ministry. And they said that um, at that time, by all their records and nationally, that new venture was one of the 50 fastest growing in America. <laughs> and Adam, I got to tell you, instead of feeling good about that, my first thought was, no wonder I'm so tired. <laughs> oh, so I was exhausted. But we were having so much fun. I think in my house I had 11 telephones. When those phones went off, it sounded like a, a fire department. Wow. I mean, we had calls coming in, going out. We made money for Kinko's. I mean, to tell you, we'd make flyers, and if they weren't just right, we said, Kinko's, we appreciate you. But could you redo these? And they did. Wow. My God. You know, you know what, Adam? I say that ministry is the hardest job you'll ever love. Amen. I'm so grateful for the privilege of first knowing them and second, being able to serve them. Wouldn't want to do anything else. So I did that, and at the same time, had the privilege of working with for Dr. Billy Graham for two years, and to see Dr. Graham with the team he had for 30, 40 years, you saw what could happen when people were sold out and all in for Jesus Christ, and they loved each other. You had the right chemistry, kind of people. You had the right camaraderie. And you had the right commitment, the right goal. So we tried to adapt some of those and adopt some of those things. And uh, the San Diego Chargers were very gracious. Um, they, they knew my number one heart was the local church. It's pastoring God's people in the San Diego County community. And so they would work it. They'd like me to be with them every weekend if there wasn't a away game. But uh, um, I'd go away six or seven times during the season for away games and be with the ball players. But the local church serving Jesus has been the greatest honor of my life. And I'm so grateful. I'm doing it now. So praise, all praise be to God. Wow, Pastor Sean, that is amazing. I remember when you had the biggest church in North County. And in Oceanside, you were the man. God was using you powerfully. So, you know, I know recently you made a transition, Pastor Sean. Um, yes. And and so, did did you sell the church and then and then move to a smaller, or how did that whole scenario come about? Because you know, I'm sure God's going to raise you beyond your wildest dreams again. We're in an exciting season. I'm very, very excited about it. What happened was, you know, the average pastor in, the America, in, in our church nationally now, senior pastor, it's very sad to hear that the average youth pastor only lasts 18 months. Wow. Before they, they move on. And for senior pastors now, it's only four years. Four, four years. years. You know, the enemy hates the local church, hates those lifting up Jesus Christ. Now, only four years, God gave me the privilege of pastoring New Venture, starting in my living room and all those other places, for 34 years. Wow. So after 34 years and thousands coming to Christ, tens of thousands attending, and having at one time 18 acres of land and the, the campus were on 12 acres, my board and I finally thought in this season of my life that we needed, you know, the Apostle Paul said, Become all things to all people Amen. so you can win more to Christ. Amen. And when we when we started New Venture, I was 36 years old. When you looked out in our congregation, 
and it reflected my age. Um, uh, it was a great experience. People, people were attending from everywhere. George Barn, I'm sure you know him, Adam. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, great guy. He was attending our church. I didn't even know it. Um, we befriended. He ended up on my staff. Billy Graham's son, Ned Graham, was at our first service, and wow. uh, he de- uh, our new building. He dedicated he dedicated my little son, Sean Jr., way back then when he was a baby. Wow! And also also dedicated uh, uh, um, our campus, uh, the, the New Venture campus, for God's work. Well, after three decades uh, uh, of doing that, our board and I were getting to a point that it was important for us to look back at the next generation. And now I was aging, and I was noticing that the church was aging with me. Wow. And, you know, God, God calls us to look behind us, like an Olympian in a relay race. Wow. You've got to hand off the baton. Amen. So what was key to me was raising up some young champions who would be able to come, and maybe if I had the privilege of pouring into them, I could help them avoid making some of the many mistakes I made. We I mean, all make the them. Lord, the Lord not only forgives our sins, He forgives our mistakes. Amen. And, Pastor and I thought, if I can help some young gun to do that, boy, that's just me continuing to do ministry. So we were very open to that, and we had been looking at them for about the last three years for some, some team that would come in and merge with us. We, we see it more like a marriage and just really work together, bring in some young staff, me mentor them, and me slowly would always be a part of the ministry, but give it over to younger guys who can take it to a new season, a next generation, and more souls. So excited about it, thrilled in it. We began to look and do this. And while this was happening, I'm, uh, I'm fast forwarding now, we got a, we were con- brought into contact with, um, I know you're familiar with Hobby Lobby. Yes. Yeah, David Green, man, what a man of faith. I think he's one of the 50, uh, he's the founder of Hobby Lobby. He's one of the 50 wealthiest men in America. My goodness. And, and to help out local churches, every year he ends up looking around America where there's about 380,000 different Protestant churches, and he looks to help out churches. Wow. And, uh, um, he had heard about our ministry, New Venture. And we got together and met with Hobby Lobby. They checked us out. They were excited. And they asked, they came alongside of us. And, um, and this is only the Lord. And this is just the latest of what he had been doing in our ministry for 30 some odd years. Because we are not a wealthy church, but it's a church that believes God. Amen. That believes God for a little bit more. And th- these folks prayed like it mattered, served like it mattered, gave like it was critical, and it was. And so that's what got us going for all these years. But Hobby Lobby came along, and they presented to us a check. They gave to our ministry over $6 million. Oh, my. $6 million. Wow. I mean, and, and, and every year they do something like this for three to five different churches we heard. Wow. But, but this last year, they did it just for our ministry. And I, I'll never forget going in front of the church and telling them, guys, you know Hobby Lobby? I haven't gone there much, but I'm shopping there now. Amen. These guys have been fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Man, I mean, 
we were able to pay off our mortgage, pay off any bills. I mean, all of our 34 years for what began in our living room had come to fruition. We paid our bills, and they come along and pay off all of them. Now, wow. there's a stipulation. The stipulation is that another church has to join you, needs to come alongside of you. And that church is able to take over the number one spot. It's Hobby Lobby's but the residents of their respective church and campus for one year. And then after that year, they are allowed and able to give it back to the original church. In this case, it would have been us, New Venture. But what happened was, uh, uh, and this church, and you're aware of the church, it, it's a solid church up in the Irvine area. That's where the mother church is. They've got six others. It is Mariner's Church. Yes, Mariner's Church up there. Uh, uh, boy, they're doing a great work for the Lord as well. We got together, our board, our eight-member board checked them out. We wanted to be sure God was up all in this. And they said, look, this is uh, not going to be a merge. This is going to be working together in, in a sense of a, a comradeship. And uh, um, so we had agreed to that, and they told us they didn't want the name. They didn't want the land. They didn't want our 85,000 square feet of building. They just want to help out the local church. Well, our board was stupefied. We thought, my goodness, really? That's a blessing. Oh, we thought, Lord, you're just too good. This is just amazing. And so we, uh, uh, we agreed to this. And last December, uh, about the, approximately the 21st of December, was the day it was official. The land now belonged to Hobby Lobby officially, and Mariners came on. Mariners was able to be over and in the church for a one-year period, and everything was working just fantastic. Now, the unfortunate part of it was that there was some of the things that our eight-member board was told, some of many of the promises made, some of the things that were shared, that we were ecstatic about, that I was encouraged and celebrated to mention to our church family about Hobby Lobby's coming and blessed us, Mariners is going to be here. And I used to go in front of the church and go, hey, family, these guys are all up. They, they, they love the Lord. They're all in. It's all good. And they're, they are a church of great means, and I really sensed in my spirit that they— that they would be able to do things with our new venture family that we even couldn't, that they had resources that were just so astronomically above anything we'd ever thought, and they bring in great discipleship. And with the promises that were made, we thought this is just one of the great things ever. Um, I must say that a lot of those promises we found out slowly but surely um, they did not come to fruition, uh. and it was one of those moments that I know God is using, but it was incredibly difficult. Now, here's the good news. My Bible and yours says, Romans 8, 28, all things work together. Amen. Bring it, to Pastor those that Sean. love God or who are called according to his purpose. Amen. Come and, on. And since day one, I put myself in the palm of my Lord's hand, and I said, Lord, you know best. 
and he has helped me from <laughs> serving as chaplain of sports teams to smuggling Bibles into communist countries to having role models like Dr. Billy Graham. Wow. But, but probably the greatest privilege has been what he's done with the wonderful people that make up New Venture Christian Fellowship. Mm. Um, I stayed around a while, but I think I never got the clear story, but I think that they probably wanted either someone more aligned with the background of Mariners and probably, and I, I don't feel bad about this at all. They might've been looking for younger. I did it because I was. And so, but so, you know, one day I'm going to go to heaven, Adam, and I'm going to go, God, even in this time where it'd be easy to, 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 to um, rant and rave and to, to nurse a problem, to rehearse the negative in your mind, but I have purposed in my heart to reverse it. Reverse it Amen. So, God, you don't make mistakes. That's right. Nothing ever surprises you. Amen. So I'm thrilled. The campus we built is now still being. I'm, I'm so glad that there's a great church there and not a 7-Eleven on the street. Amen. Corner. Come on, Pastor. <laughs> it's the, it, and uh, but the thrilling thing, and I was there one to encourage the people. A lot of folks who were there are no longer there, and we know God's going to have His way. And slowly but surely, I began to go, Lord, what do you have for us? And I'm, oh, I'm enthralled and I'm thrilled over some of the things I'm involved in now with San Diego still as our base. And one of those things is God has given us a new ministry. I wanted to be respectful. So we did not create another church in the same city. Oceanside will always be my heart. But we moved next door into Carlsbad, and we began a new ministry. That ministry now is called Next Chapter Church. You know, all of us go through seasons. But, man, all of us, whether we like it or not, go through different chapters. So, Amen. Pa- oh, Pastor man. Sean, what's yeah. the address there? If somebody wants to see you and, and if you give us some information, because we have about a minute left, how can people come see you, a man of God who has been a chaplain for the Chargers, for the Padres, has seen, you know, worked with Billy Graham. Um, God used it to have the largest, ch- the largest church in North County by far. How can people come see you? How can people be part of Next Chapter Church? Gosh, that's a wonderful. Adam, thank you so much. I'm going to tell you what, my friend. If they're coming to see me, don't come. If they're coming to meet God, we want them there. Woo! And, come on. An encounter with Jesus. Hey, here, we're, we're right in, in Carlsbad Village, easy to get to, at what's called the Harding, H-A-R-D-I-N-G, Harding Auditorium. The address is 3096 Harding Street. 3096 Harding Street, Carlsbad 92008. Give us a phone and number, Pastor Sean. Okay, 760-721-7777. Thank you, Pastor Sean. We love you in Jesus' name. Oh, I love you. Thanks, guys. God bless you. Woo! 
The Oceanside Pier is a sacred place, blessed with ocean views, the strand, good people, and good times. You'll find all those things and more at the Bistro at the Pier. Locally owned and operated, the Bistro at the Pier offers delicious food options and a full slate of crafted coffee drinks, including Italy's own Cafe Vergnano, sourced from Italy's finest coffee beans. So whether you're craving an acai bowl or an espresso, the Bistro at the Pier is waiting for you. Head on down or visit them online at bistroatthepier.org. Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option and official Turning Point USA Academy associate that values constitutional rights and medical freedom. Hosted by At The Cross Church in Oceanside, they serve pre-K through 7th grade and are Southern California's exclusive institution incorporating Turning Point USA Academy's 5C model. They offer in-person classes and electives Monday through Thursday and are now accepting applications for fall 2023. Visit them online at freedomgenerationedu.com or at the cross oceanside.com. Welcome back to Freedom with Adam Riojas. We just had an incredible interview with an amazing man of God who has who has smuggled Bibles into other countries. Uh, who has been the Padres chaplain, the the San Diego Chargers chaplain, who had the largest church in North County at one time, in the top 50th fastest growing churches in America. And that was Pastor Sean Mitchell. Please go see him and see how God is using him now. His church is called Next Chapter Church. And he is in the Harding Auditorium in Carlsbad, California. And you can reach him at 760-721-777. An amazing man of God. But now we go into the latter part of the show. For As I look at it, it is absolutely the best part of it. Because now we go and see what God has for you and I. And this next book that we will be going through is the book of Zechariah. Zechariah was an amazing man of God. And I believe that it's so apro going back over this book, especially after going over the last book, which was uh, Malachi. Malachi was the last book written in the Old Testament. Uh, and there was a 400-year period before Jesus shows up on the scene. But Zechariah was one of those prophets who was speaking to the people after they had been released from their captivity in Babylon. If you remember, they had been taken captive for 70 years to Babylon because of their disobedient heart, because of their idolatrous ways, God allowed them to be taken captive for 70 years. When Zechariah writes this letter, they had now been back in their country right around 30, uh, 40 years uh, approximately, and he begins his ministry. But let me catch you up a little bit so that the book is more interesting, so that it makes more sense to you. When they were let go from Babylon, Zerubbabel was uh, 
let go along with probably around 25, 30,000 people. And along with him was Jeshua, who was a high priest. Zerubbabel was the first governor. They never went back to kingship until Jesus shows up in the scene 400 years later. But during this time, they're back in their country. Ezra um, comes after Zerubbabel. To hell. He was part of the second wave that left. What's interesting is, is there was three ways of them being taken captive to Babylon for them 70 years. Now there's three waves of them coming back to the land. Ezra was part of the second wave coming back. In the first wave, um, one of the uh, the men that came uh, with Jer- with Jeruabal was an incredible man called Idol who was actually uh, uh, Zachariah's father. And it's it's amazing. The story's just amazing. And then the third wave, of course, we know that Nehemiah came. Zachariah was there during uh, the second and, and and no doubt during the third wave of them coming back to their nation after being captive 70 years. And so the timeline now is 400 years before Jesus shows up on their scene. They're back in their land. And Zechariah was there to encourage these folks to get right with God. And the book, chapter 1, starts off with this. In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Idol, the prophet saint. See, there's Idol, who was the grandfather to Zechariah. And it's just the story is just amazing how God uses these incredible folks to speak life to the Israelites during this period of time. The Lord hath been displeased with your fathers. He has not been pleased with your fathers, with your ancients. Therefore say thou unto them, thus says the Lord of hosts, turn you unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn to you, saith the Lord of hosts. He's saying, come back to me, and I will come back to you. It, it almost like what James says in his letter, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And that's from the, from God. And that still stands today. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Of course, salvation is free, but your relationship is up to you. If you draw close to God, he will draw closer to you. The closer you draw to God, the closer he draws to you. He said, return unto me, saith the Lord of hosts. Come back to me. Be ye not as your fathers unto whom the former prophets have cried, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, turn, turn ye now from your evil ways and from your evil doings, but they did not hear nor hearken unto me, saith the Lord, they would not hearken, they would not listen. Now, Zechariah is in this time when the temple has been rebuilt, but there's still a lot of work for that needs to be played, that needs to take place in order to make this temple back to its glorious days when Solomon first built it. But it never actually gets there. But Zechariah encourages the people to build, get this done right. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? He's literally saying, look at your mortality. You will die one day. You need to turn back to me and get right. 
But my words and my statue, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, they did not take hold of your fathers. And they returned and saith, like as the Lord of hosts thought to do unto us according to our ways and according to our doings, so hath he dealt with us. See, God cannot lie. When he says something, it's going to come to pass. He's literally letting them know, hey, you need to turn back to me. There are some awful things that could still happen to you. Turn back to me because God will deal with you. Verse 7 of Zechariah says this, Upon the 4 and 20th day of the 11th month, which is in the, in the month, Sabbat, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, Berechia, the son of Ido, the prophet, saying. Now, what's incredible now is, is in this verse, we begin to see a series of eight visions that are rapidly given to Zechariah. Now, one of the things that it's important for you and I to know that Zechariah speaks more about Jesus than any of the minor prophets. But again, his job during this period was to rekindle a fire in these Israelites, to get them right with God, to, to get them in a place where they could be blessed again by simply, simply following the Lord in his footsteps. Now, as we continue, it says, I saw by night and behold a man riding upon a red horse, and he stood among the myrtle trees that were in the bottom and behind him were their red horses speckled and white. Well, when we look at what the this red these red horses probably meant, and we can compare it when we look at scriptures in Revelation 6-4. Now, this is a total different scene, is that there's some kind of judgment behind the red horses, some kind of, of warning for them to get right. And perhaps these are the horses that, that where angels are riding. And, and this is perhaps where we get the verses that the, the Lord is to and fro seen looking around and looking at everything. Perhaps these angels report back to the Lord. But as we continue, it says, then said, I, oh, my Lord, what are these? It's a proper question to ask. What are these? What are these? And the angel that talked with me saith unto me, I will show you what these be. Some people here believe that this is Jesus, but we'll let, we will let Scripture speak for itself as we continue to read. Hey, if you just tuned in, this is Freedom with Adam Riojas. Thank you for being here with us as we begin the book of Zechariah. And, and, and we've learned about Zechariah. He's speaking to the people. He's wanting to rekindle their fire, rekindle their spirit, bring them back alive, revive them. And the man that stood among the myrtle trees. Now, most commentators, most theologians, but leave here and it, and it's, and that's what it points to that the myrtle trees are probably uh, the Israelites, the nation of Israel. And answered and said, these are they whom the Lord had sent to walk to and fro the earth. So these horses and these people that are, are riding these horses are the ones that are going to and fro throughout the whole earth and reporting back to God. What an incredible story this is and, and how it's taking shape. 
And they answered the angel of the Lord that stood among the myrtle trees among Israel and said, We have walked to and fro through the earth, and behold, all the earth sitteth still and is at rest. What they're saying is everybody's at peace right now. See, what's amazing about here is is there's probably right around 50,000 folks that returned when there was uh, approximately what people believe 2 million Jews. And so the majority of the, the Jewish people stayed in Babylon. They had now acclimated and they had now become uh, the businessmen of Babylon. By this point now, Babylon had now been taken over by the Meadow Persians, and which is modern-day Iran today. And so as we look at this, things have not changed. We know that Jewish people are very savvy. We know that they're very good with businesses, not because, and not simply because God chose these folks. God chose them, God still loves them, and God still wishes that none should perish, but that all should come back to him. And not just the Jewish people now, God has opened that to all the folks, to all of you listening today, if you're a non-believer. And it's very simple. Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, save me. Jesus, forgive me. I believe you're God. Forgive me. I believe you rose from the dead from the grave on the third day, and immediately you get washed and become clean. But as we continue to read the story, it speaks for itself. And verse 11 says, And they answered the angel of the Lord that stood among the myrtle trees and said, We have walked to and fro through the earth, and behold, all the earth sitteth still and is at rest. And the reason that's happening, because they had no rest in Israel. They had no rest in this nation that they were now trying to rebuild again. Then the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long will thou not have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah? See, they're all, all of the Jews, all of these folks that have been scattered, the whole world is at peace right now. He says, but we're your people, God. And look what we're going through. And against which thou hast had indignation, these these 70 years, 70 years, they were back in their land now, 70 years. And the Lord answered the angel that talked with good words and comfortable words. So the angel that communed with me said unto me, cry thou, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy. You know, I've, I heard one time when Oprah Winfrey was speaking that she walked away from God and couldn't serve a God who was a jealous God. And see, what's amazing, that's, that's a misunderstanding. God desires your worship. God desires your reverence. God desires this because he's our creator He's not jealous like humans, like, and I'm going to use a a scenario. You're walking with your wife, and you happen to look to the right or to the left, and your wife says, hey, I saw you looking at that girl. See, that's not the kind of jealous that God has. God desires your worship. God desires you to speak with him through prayer. 
God was desiring his people to worship him. And I am very sore displeased with the heathen that are at ease, for I was but a little displeased, and they helped forward the affliction. They, surrounding nations, were not helping them. As a matter of fact, we know that they were at one point trying to stop the completion of not only of them rebuilding the temple, but also of the wall when Nehemiah came in the third wave. Verse 16 says this, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. My house shall be built in it, saith the Lord of hosts, and a line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. Now, when you look at that verse, there's a double meaning. There's something that was for them at that point, but it also looks ahead at another temple that's going to be built during the tribulation. And when we look at this, he says, I will have mercy with my people. I am a merciful God. This is God loving his people, the people whom he had chosen. Verse 17 says, Cry yet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, My cities through prosperity shall yet be spread abroad, and the Lord shall yet come for Zion, and shall yet choose Jerusalem. God cannot lie. If you look at Israel now, it is one of the richest nations in the entire Middle East. It has plenty of oil. You can look at its cities. They're beautiful. They're beaches. God has truly blessed it and brought it from the rubble. And God will continue to bless Israel and would continue to bless it into and after the tribulation that's coming soon upon this world, after God comes in harpazos or rapturo or caught up or rapture his people, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But as we continue in this time place, Verse 18 says this, Then I lifted up my eyes and saw, and behold, four horns. The four horns now represent four authorities, four nations. And I said unto the angel that talked with me, What be these? And he answered, "Me. These are the horns, or these are the nations, or these are the powers which have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. And it's easier to look who these four were. It was Babylon. And then Babylon was taken over by Persia, that's two. Then Persia was taken over by Greece, that's three. Then Greece by taken over by Rome, and that's four. And as we look into the Europe places, we see that in some form the Roman Empire still has its authority, especially when you look at the Vatican and the power they have. Again, today we're looking at this and we want to see how God was dealing with these folks at the time. Verse 20 says this, And the Lord showed me four carpenters. Now, we know that when we think of carpenters, they rebuild, they help. They're the ones that come and and rebuild and help. And it says this, Then said I, What come these to do? What are they here for? And he spake, saying, These are the horns, or these are the authorities, or this is the power 
which have scattered Judah so that no man did lift up his head. But these are come to fray them, to cast out the horns of the Gentiles, to to finally subdue the Gentile nations, which lift up their horn or their authority over the land of Judah to scatter it. It's an interesting and amazing chapter how Zechariah approaches them. He approaches them by simply letting them though, letting them know that God is still sovereign, that they are still a chosen people, and that they will still prosper. All they have to do is keep their eyes on God. Of course, it never turned out like that. They eventually took their eyes off and they struggled and they went through their stuff, but it's an amazing timeline. It's an amazing time in history that we can learn from. See, we can learn from history, and this is historical. This is how God dealt with a nation that had gone astray, where God used kings to, to, for it to be a magnificent land. Of course, we remember, we can go back to Saul who disobeyed God, and then when God lifted up Saul, and then and then he lifted up King David and then Solomon. We see how God blessed this nation. But what we also see is that whenever the people took their eyes off of God, they would go through serious trials and tribulations because of their disobedience. And church, let me be clear today that this is a lesson for you and I. This is a lesson that we need to keep our eyes on God. This is a lesson that we need to take to heart. This is a lesson that teaches us that history can and does repeat itself. Church, it's time to keep our eyes on God. It's time to return to the Lord. It's time to repent. It's time to unite. It is time to cry out to the God of heaven. It is time to say, Jesus, forgive me. It is a time now to sorrow and to weep. It is a time now to listen to what God wants and has for your life because his promises are yes and amen. See, God loves you. God dealt with the city and the nation of Jerusalem and Israel in the same way that he is dealing now with America. When we disobey God, we fall into disarray. Right now, you can look around you. You can see how America is losing its glory. And most of us would easily and can easily blame our government. But church, you're responsible as well. You voted for where we're at now. You were blindsided. But we can repent today. We can get right with the God of heaven because he loves you. He hung on a cross for You and I, for God so loved the world that he gave his only 
begotten Son, that whosoever believeth him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Thank you today for listening. Know that we love you. Know that we care for you. Know that if if you're churchless right now, that it's time to go back. Know that we would be willing to have you come join us at At The Cross Church. And you just heard an incredible early man of God. You could come see him as well. You know, there's no time like today to serve God. Today you can repent. See, it's very simple. We've made it difficult. We've made it difficult. But it's simple. It's simply acknowledging what Jesus did on the cross. It's simply crying out to him and said, God, I've been disobedient. God, I, I've, I've done what I've wanted to, but I need a change. And if that means me asking your son into my heart, I want to do it now. Ask Jesus into your heart. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to make you brand new. And let him know that you believe that he went to the cross for you and that after he was put in a grave, he rose on the third day for you and I. And and if you are a backslider, today you can repent as well. You can say, Jesus, I need forgiveness. He is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And if you know the Lord and if you're on fire, then today may that fire spread even more in your heart. May it spread to your neighbors. May it spread to your community. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of repentance. Today is when we say, God, let me be a fire to my community. Thank you for tuning in with Freedom with Adam Riojas. We love you and God bless you. And we hope and believe that you will return next Sunday at 5 p.m. Thank you again. God bless you in Jesus name. Thanks for listening to Freedom with Adam Riojas. If you'd like to contact Adam, email him at freedom at adamriojas.com. Make sure to tune in next week at 5 p.m. here on K-Praise. If you missed a show, go to your favorite podcast provider and search Freedom with Adam Riojas. The Oceanside Pier is a sacred place, blessed with ocean views, the strand, good people, and good times. You'll find all those things and more at the Bistro at the Pier. Locally owned and operated, the Bistro at the Pier offers delicious food options and a full slate of crafted coffee drinks, including Italy's own Cafe Vergnano, sourced from Italy's finest coffee beans. So whether you're craving an acai bowl or an espresso, the Bistro at the Pier is waiting for you. Head on down or visit them online at bistroatthepier.org. Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option and official Turning Point USA Academy associate that values constitutional rights and medical freedom. Hosted by At The Cross Church in Oceanside, they serve pre-K through 7th grade and are Southern California's exclusive institution incorporating Turning Point USA Academy's 5C model. They offer in-person classes and electives Monday through Thursday and are now accepting applications for fall 2023.
Visit them online at freedomgenerationedu.com or at thecrossoceanside.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.